1: See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely. Positively. FedEx.
2: Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further
0: apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human.
3: Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh,
2: I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of.
0: At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.
3: Tonight, thousands descend here on the nation's capital, 57 years after Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. delivered his I Have a Dream speech. The new calls for police reform and racial justice. The families of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Jacob Blake among them. Stand up! We're tired! Peaceful and passionate today, but growing concern over the lack of social distancing. And tonight, Michelle Obama describes her reaction to the shooting of Jacob Blake. Jacob Blake is no longer handcuffed. But why was the man who is paralyzed after being shot seven times in the back by police restrained in the first place? Devastation as far as the eye can see. The death toll from Hurricane Laura rising. We visit the spot where the storm came ashore. And tonight, what's left of Laura is still threatening millions. COVID at the convention. Four people with ties to the Republican National Convention in Charlotte test positive. And tonight, health experts fear there could be cases following the huge rally on the White House South Lawn. The Falwell sex scandal. Tonight, Giancarlo Granda tells CBS News he was preyed upon by the evangelical leader and his wife. Why the former pool attendant was concerned they would ruin his life. Did you fear the Falwells?
4: Yeah, I did. I mean, they're a power couple. They're connected. They have, you know, the president on speed dial.
3: But the Falwells maintain Granda was extorting them. Plus, on the road. A love song has never sounded better.
5: This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell reporting from the nation's capital.
3: Good evening and thank you for joining us on this Friday evening. Tens of thousands of Americans marched on the nation's capital today, demanding racial equality and social justice at the foot of the Lincoln Memorial. After a series of violent encounters between police and black Americans this summer, today's get your knee off our next commitment march was both a call for change and a response to what organizers say is a lack of it. The day-long event, which began with temperature checks and protesters wearing masks, swelled beyond areas originally designed for social distancing. And coming just hours after President Trump addressed thousands of supporters not wearing masks on the South Lawn of the White House, today's march was a counterpoint to the portrayal of protesters as rioting mobs during this week's Republican National Convention. It was also an echo to history, as black leaders joined Martin Luther King Jr.'s son and granddaughter on the same steps where the civil rights icon delivered his I Have a Dream speech 57 years ago today. This time, it was the families of African Americans killed or injured by law enforcement who condemned what King once called the unspeakable horrors of police brutality. Tonight, Blake remains paralyzed in a Kenosha, Wisconsin hospital bed after being shot in the back seven times by police. CBS News has learned the 29-year-old is no longer being handcuffed to his bed after posting bail in a previous sexual assault case. And there's new video tonight of the 17-year-old who opened a fire into a crowd protesting Blake's shooting on Tuesday. Well, there's a lot of new reporting to get to tonight. We've got a team of correspondents standing by to cover it all. CBS's Jeff Begays is going to lead off our coverage tonight from Washington.
6: The calls for police reform and racial justice came in chants. Tens of thousands of people gathered at the Lincoln Memorial to commemorate the 57th anniversary of the March on Washington. Well, I have a dream. Just like Martin Luther King Jr.'s I have a dream speech moved a nation to action in 1963, speakers today called for the same. we going to stand up even when our legs are tired. We're going to make this dream come true. Reverend Al Sharpton and others expressed their anger about police-involved shootings that have left black Americans severely injured or dead. Alonis Floyd is George Floyd's brother. I wish George were here to see this right now. That's who I'm marching for. The shooting of Jacob Blake just five days ago has sparked more demands for police reform. Letetra Whitman is Blake's sister.
7: You must fight, but not with violence and chaos.
6: Despite concerns about the coronavirus, some traveled as far away as Milwaukee, like these activists who came by foot. Bridget Grayson is from Long Island, New York. Do you think this march will make a difference? I hope so.
1: All I can do is hope for the best and hope for change.
6: Michelle Obama weighed in, calling the events of this summer age-old systemic racism and said sometimes people see it on the news. Sometimes they see it from the White House Rose Garden. 57 years after King led the march here, his granddaughter said it was her generation's turn.
7: We are going to be the generation that dismantles systemic racism once and for all.
6: Organizers here say the crowds out here could have been bigger had it not been for the coronavirus. There were temperature checks for people coming into this area. Most people here were wearing masks, but there was very little social distancing.
3: Nora. All right, Jeff Begay is on the Washington Mall tonight. Thank you. On the same day that Jacob Blake's name echoed through the National Mall, police removed his handcuffs. Blake is paralyzed from the waist down after being shot in the back seven times Sunday by police in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Tonight, we're learning more about that incident and a deadly shooting at a protest two days later. Here's CBS's Mola Lengi.
0: Tonight, 29-year-old Jacob Blake is without handcuffs, and deputies no longer stand guard at his hospital room. We now know the names of all three officers involved in Blake's shooting. Along with Rustin Shesky, who fired the seven shots, officers Vincent Arenas and Brittany Moronic are also on administrative leave. We've also learned officers deployed two tasers to subdue Blake, who at the time of the Sunday incident was wanted for a sexual assault charge. It's not clear if that was the reason Blake was being arrested, but the altercation did escalate.
8: There was some resisting in the basis of that contact and the arrest, so that's what changed the dynamic. Oh,
0: and we're learning more about the case against 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse, who's been charged with six felonies related to the shooting deaths of two protesters and wounding another Tuesday night. Investigators saying Rittenhouse got into an altercation with his first victim, Joseph Rosenbaum, before firing an AR-15 type rifle five times at Rosenbaum, who authorities say was unarmed. Tonight, the Wisconsin State Attorney General
4: continues the Blake investigation. Several material witness interviews have been conducted. Uh, evidence has been sent to the crime lab, and we intend for this investigation to keep moving
6: swiftly.
0: Well, Kenosha police say Blake was restrained in the hospital due to that open sexual assault warrant, which they say is standard procedure. Meanwhile, Kyle Rittenhouse's attorney tells us that the 17-year-old was acting in self-defense during that shooting out here on Tuesday night. Meanwhile, there's a group online called the Friends of the Rittenhouse family who's raised more than $100,000 to help pay for his legal defense. Nora.
3: Molilingi, thank you. The death toll from Hurricane Laura more than doubled today to at least 14, 10 in Louisiana and 4 in Texas. Most were killed by trees falling on homes or by carbon monoxide poisoning while using generators. The scope of the destruction is overwhelming. Hundreds of thousands are still without power or water, and some may not get it back for weeks. CBS's Omar Villafranca is inside the disaster zone.
5: Parts of the coast are virtually destroyed, cut off from the mainland. The canals have reclaimed some of the roads here in Cameron Parish. The only way to get around is by boat. And when people come back, this is what they're finding their homes look like. Debbie and Thomas McDaniel's property was marked with uprooted trees and flipped over tractors. People in their were saying they heard noises they've never heard before in their life. Customs officers went door to door looking for survivors. The hurricane is blamed for 14 deaths in Texas and Louisiana, including three people who died from carbon monoxide poisoning after the storm. One of the hardest hit areas was Lake Charles, Louisiana, where hundreds of windows were blown out of this high rise building. And Bethany Augusto wrote out the storm in her closet.
1: There was four of us, it was like a jigsaw puzzle in this closet. We were on top of each other, just holding each other, crying. This is my youngest to bedroom.
5: Michelle and Eric Trahan's dream home was torn in two. The wind and pressure were so strong, they seemingly sucked the curtains right out of the windows. Now, the daunting task of rebuilding.
3: I walked outside this morning and just stood and looked at everything
1: and there was a rainbow. And I thought, okay, we're going to go. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay.
5: The Red Cross says more than 8000 homes were destroyed or badly damaged like this one here behind me. And a quarter of the state is still without power. Nora.
3: All right, Omar Franca, Thank you. President Trump will visit both Louisiana and Texas Saturday to get a firsthand look at the damage wrought by Hurricane Laura. Tonight, the president is campaigning in New Hampshire, trying to build political momentum after his speech to almost 2,000 mostly maskless supporters last night on the White House lawn. CBS's Weijia Zhang is traveling with the president.
9: President Trump is stumping in New Hampshire tonight, where he trails Joe Biden by a significant margin. In Washington, as social justice protesters marched just blocks from the White House, the president called reporters to the Oval Office to witness his pardon of Alice Johnson, whose life sentence he had commuted two years ago after lobbying from Kim Kardashian. He ignored questions about the protesters outside. Meanwhile, his campaign said today that four people who were part of the Republican convention events in North Carolina on Monday had tested positive for COVID-19. It was a striking display last night as nearly 2,000 audience members did not socially distance and largely were not wearing masks. The president did not mention the coronavirus until 30 minutes into his speech. And we'll
6: produce a vaccine before the end of the year or maybe even sooner.
9: Mr. Trump condemned looters and rioters and said only he could ensure law and order.
6: My administration will always stand with the men and women of law enforcement
9: the president warned in dire terms that the country would suffer under a Biden presidency.
6: Joe Biden is not a savior of America's soul. He is the destroyer of America's jobs.
9: Joe Biden criticized Joe Biden criticized President Trump for holding a, quote, super spreader event at the White House here in New Hampshire. About 1,400 people are packed into this hangar. Masks are required as part of a state ordinance, but most people are not
3: wearing one. Nora. All right. And the music blaring tonight. Weijia Zhang, thank you. Tonight, the U.S. is rapidly closing in on six million confirmed cases of covid. And there have been more than one hundred and eighty one thousand deaths. According to one model often used by the White House, that death toll, it could top 317,000 by December 1st. But if nearly everyone wears a mask in public, researchers say more than 67,000 lives could be saved. We get more now from CBS's Jamie Ukas. New York City schools, the largest district in the nation, is set to reopen but a growing number of teachers are saying not so fast.
1: We literally don't have enough staff to do all the things and all the the teaching and all of the different ways, remote and um, in-person, that we
3: need. One university that had reopened, then shut down because of rising cases, is now trying again. Notre Dame will welcome students back next week. Los Angeles is cracking down on house parties. Today, two TikTok stars charged with violating COVID guidelines.
5: These super-spreader parties cannot prevent us from making progress.
3: And California is finally ready to reopen some businesses, but only if they meet a new set of strict guidelines. Dynamic.
4: We do that, we start moving, but we do so in a safe way.
3: While the governor was clear the California economy will not fully reopen, gyms, barbershops, and places like this nail salon can operate with modifications. Nora? All right, Jamie Ucas. Thank you. Tonight, new allegations have emerged involving Jerry Falwell Jr. and his wife just days after Falwell resigned as head of Liberty University, one of the nation's largest Christian schools. It has been a stunning fall from grace for one of the president's staunchest supporters. Here, CBS's Jerica Duncan.
7: It's the latest salacious headline involving the Falwells, This time, a former Liberty University student tells Politico that Becky Falwell performed oral sex on him in 2008. Earlier this week, Jerry Falwell Jr. did acknowledge that his wife had an affair with a different man, Giancarlo Granda, a then 20-year-old pool attendant he says his wife met at the Fountain Blue Hotel in Miami Beach.
4: She invited me back to the hotel room.
7: In an interview with CBS, Granda, who is now 29, says the affair began the day he met Becky at the pool.
4: I'm 20 years old, single. I didn't really think anything of it. And then she said, by the way, my husband likes to watch.
7: It's the type of lube behavior that is prohibited at Liberty University. Just curious if they ever took you to church with them.
4: Well, actually, we never really spoke about religion. Uh, Religion really to him wasn't, It just wasn't that big of a deal.
7: One of the things that Jerry Falwell Jr. said is, it's an election year and he expected this to happen.
4: Well, let me make it clear. There is no political motivation whatsoever. He's just trying to deflect and um, spin it.
7: Did you fear the Falwells?
4: They have, you know, the president on speed dial. They have people behind the scenes that can spin and manipulate stories. So, yes, I I was afraid.
7: But the Falwells maintain this is all about extortion.
4: I mean, it's ridiculous to think that the, the 20-year-old working at the Fountain Blue Hotel was preying upon uh, this power couple.
3: Jerika Duncan, CBS News, New York. The NBA playoffs resume tomorrow after team owners and players worked out a deal to create a social justice coalition to push for change. Several teams have also agreed to open their arenas as polling places in the November election. Players walked off this week to protest the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Officials say a fire that damaged a Jewish, Jewish student center this week at the University of Delaware was deliberately set. But for now, they're not calling it a hate crime. No one was injured. Students launched a GoFundMe page to repair the estimated $200,000 in damages. What better way to end the week than with a love story starring a husband and wife and a song that means everything to them. Here's CBS's Steve Hartman on the road.
8: Joe and Sharon Korst of Raleigh, North Carolina, just celebrated 63 years of wedded bliss. Wow. And to mark the milestone, this Joe gave his bride one of the best anniversary presents ever.
9: Of all the things that, that he could have done, that was probably the most meaningful.
8: I love you. To fully appreciate the gift. You first need to hear the song.
9: How
7: beautiful
8: you are. Their song. It's a Kenny Rogers tune called Beautiful, All That You Could Be. And for years Joe sang it to Sharon on birthdays, anniversaries, and so many other occasions that eventually friends and family memorized it too. Teresa Castrava is their daughter.
3: She is the number one thing in his life.
9: Here's to you, Sharon.
3: And singing that song was the way to say it.
8: Teresa says it was the way to say it. Yeah, I get tired. Joe recently suffered two strokes.
3: How do you spell up?
8: Which left him at a terrible loss up. for language.
3: I'm lost.
6: I have trouble calling my wife's name or the
8: children's name. and uh... So you lost the song? Yeah.
9: So I just accepted it and didn't really think about it till this past anniversary. And and then he started singing it.
8: Mostly unbeknownst to Sharon, Joe had been working hard to rescue their song. Whenever a line came back to him in the hospital, he jotted it down in a notebook and listened to the melody on a loop.
5: I wanted to relearn it. And to give it to my
9: wife. Just like he always did.
8: And that's how the best anniversary present ever turned out to be the same anniversary present as always. Steve Hartman. I love you. CBS News. Thank you. On the road.
3: May we all have such a beautiful love story. Tonight, something you don't want to miss as CBS News explores the key moments in America's civil rights history that have happened this time of year. The Power of August premieres tonight at 8 p.m. on our streaming network, CBSN. And a reminder, if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so that you can watch us later. That is tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. Thanks for joining us this week. We hope you have a great weekend. We'll see you back here Monday. Good night.